The process of no sevens is very practical for evaluating much of what we do. Removing the number seven changes everything. You either have to give the person an eight or a six. An eight is a pretty great score, but a six is barely a passing grade. So, by removing the safety of the seven, the whole dynamic alters. Most of us naturally default to a safe place when faced with difficult questions. Hence, most of us use seven out of a 10 as a crutch. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. We choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Welcome to today's Super You Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quammen. Most of you know me as Equal Man. Today's show is sponsored by Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime can get it there usually within one to two days. Obviously, sometimes it's been more delayed, but they can definitely get it faster than anybody else. And guess what? The new book, The Focus Project, my new book. Thanks for making it a number one release on Amazon. You guys are the best. I can't believe you're able to push it up to a number one release on Amazon. It's almost impossible to do, but it is a number one release on Amazon. So why don't you do this? Instead of getting yourself something today, why don't you think of someone that you're thinking of that you haven't been able to connect with and just send it to them prime. It'll get there in a couple of days with a quick note. You can say gift. Hey, I'm thinking about you during these tough times. And I just wanted to send you this saying I'm thinking about you. My focus is on helping you. So anyways, today what we're going to do, we are going to give you a little bit of a sample, a free sample of the book, the audible version of the book, The Focus Project. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, we're moving into October, chapter 10, which is all about giving. Studies show we feel better when we volunteer to help others. I don't need research to tell me this. Volunteering always fills my cup. Yet, with a hectic schedule, finding time is a challenge. Starting this month, I'm going to stop finding time and start making time for volunteering. I will begin by volunteering every Sunday at our church. Not a huge commitment compared to many of you, but a giant step in the right direction for me. Before I undertook this project, when life got hectic, which frankly was all the time, the first item I stole time from was volunteering. This wasn't right then and it is not right now. I need to turn wanting to volunteer into I must volunteer. The following stories and modules might seem to be off topic when it comes to being charitable, but a eureka moment for me this month was understanding that the better I was able to focus during non-charitable or non-volunteering activities, the more time I would have to donate to charitable contributions later that same day or week. Many of the studies and stories we cover in this chapter are around how we can be more productive with and protective of our time, which results in a better ability to give our time, treasures, and talents to those that need them. Fill someone's bucket. My seven-year-old daughter's New Year's resolution was to fill someone's bucket each day. The idea stemmed from the book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? A Guide to Daily Happiness for Kids by Carol McLeod. The theme of the book is that all of us have invisible buckets, and they need to be filled. We can fill other people's buckets through acts of kindness. Conversely, bullying or saying snide remarks about someone might trick us into feeling good in the moment, but such behavior steals from another person's bucket. 
The joy you steal from that person's bucket can't be placed into your bucket. In fact, bullying, berating, or other negative activities depletes not only the other person's bucket, but your bucket as well. Instead of asking my daughters what they did that day, the response to which every parent knows is nothing. I began asking, whose bucket did you fill today? Whose day did you make better? Who made you smile today? Asking these questions and expecting their answers helped me begin looking for buckets to fill. And I was grateful when someone filled mine as well. It's also helping me avoid becoming upset about little things. And they're all little. I told the waiter three times, no cheese on my kid's hamburger. How hard is it to do your job? Well, it's easier said than done. When I'm feeling upset this month, I'm pausing, breathing, and trying to flip the situation by asking, whose bucket can I fill? Say my name. Knowing people's names is a great way of showing gratitude. Unfortunately, remembering names isn't my strength. To give myself a fighting chance, I put notes in my phone or where I'm most likely to bump into that person. For example, school, restaurant, basketball game, work. That way, when I pick up my dry cleaning, I know it's Kirsten, not Kristen. Another good practice whenever you're introduced to someone is to say, it's great to see you versus it's great to meet you, helping you avoid embarrassment in case you have already met them a few times. Say no to the number seven. During the process of editing this book, I used a trick a school superintendent gave me. She said that I should never use the number seven on a rating scale. I had my family, friends, fans, and team read through this book and rate each section on a scale of 1 to 10. The one twist was they couldn't use the number 7 when assigning their ratings. They could give a section any number, say 3, 5, or 9, but they could never give it a 7. We only wanted the cream of the crop to be included in the book. As such, we made the rule that any section below an 8 would automatically be cut from the book. The process of no 7s is very practical for evaluating much of what we do. Removing the number seven changes everything. You either have to give the person an eight or a six. An eight is a pretty great score, but a six is barely a passing grade. So, by removing the safety of the seven, the whole dynamic alters. Most of us naturally default to a safe place when faced with difficult questions. Hence, most of us use seven out of a ten as a crutch. No sevens removes the crutch. This method was particularly useful in checking in with my family or members of my team. How often do you find yourself asking someone how they're doing? Often they robotically answer good or great. Many of us will even say we are great when we're actually down in the dumps. It's similar to the answer that we give a waiter who asks us how our meal is. Unless the food is toxic, we usually just chirp good even when it's utter garbage. In working with teams throughout my career, I find it strange that companies only have annual employee reviews. This is insanity, stemming from the belief that it's imperative to check in with teammates on a daily, not annual basis. I started the practice of asking my teammates and family members, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing? With these check-ins, I started to give two parameters, Remember that focusing the question will help focus the response. The two guiding lights. Number one, you can't say seven. And number two, you can't say 10. Nobody is perfect. 
9.99 is an acceptable answer, 10 is not. Now here's the key to properly doing this. Most people will make a common mistake, which is exactly what I did at first, and I want to help you avoid this mistake. Let's take a look. I'd ask my teammates how they were on a scale of one to 10 with work, and that's it. In theory, it makes sense. We are at work, so let's talk about work, especially if I'm the team lead. I need to be careful not to get too personal or make anyone feel uncomfortable. However, the key I discovered is to ask our teammates how they're doing in totality, family, health, work, spiritually, and beyond. Asking this broader question is not only being a good human being, but it also provides context. Here's the initial conversation before I learned to ask about life. Me, I'd ask Sarah, how are you on a scale of one to 10? And she'd probably answer, I'd say probably an eight or a nine. Woohoo! she's one happy teammate. Then the next day or week, I'd ask her the same question. Sarah, how are you on a scale of one to 10? Uh, I'm around a three. Holy smokes, sound the alarms. What did we do this week to upset Sarah? If she's a three, she might be leaving the company. She's so valuable to our team and we love her positive attitude. What have we been doing to make her feel so bad? I start freaking out in my head with various doomsday scenarios because, wait for it, I have no context. I have no idea if Sarah's dog is sick, if she has recently lost money in the stock market, if her parents have decided to divorce, or if she's going through a bad breakup with her partner. I have no context. To help get context, I now ask for a 1 to 10 rating for life and then for work. Sarah, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are all things with your life? Ah, uh, I'm around a 3. What about work, the team? An 8. Now I have context. Now I understand that work is a positive influence in her life. If Sarah feels comfortable, we can chat about what's troubling her and if I can help her. Work-life harmony is imperative. If Sarah isn't her best self at work, she's not going to be her best self at home and vice versa. Both impact the other. Some might think it's crazy for companies to have work events that invite the employee's entire family. Personally, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Why not include the entire circle of people playing a role? It also dawned on me that being charitable isn't simply just donating money or time to the local soup kitchen, but it's also about being charitable with your loved ones and those at work, taking time to show that you genuinely care. Remember that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. The Ben Franklin Effect. Asking for favors makes people like you more. It's normal to feel anxious or uncomfortable when asking others for favors. Human nature makes us apprehensive of burdening others with our problems. We fear that asking others for help may cause them to dislike us. Benjamin Franklin didn't think this way. He practiced the exact opposite. At one point in Franklin's political career, he was tasked with winning over another statesman, a statesman who adamantly opposed Franklin's policies. This particular politician owned a very rare copy of a book. Franklin, who loved to read, wrote the politician a letter asking to borrow the book. The man said, yes, and within a few days of reading, Franklin kindly returned the book with a note thanking him. After this exchange, the politician was noticeably kinder and more accommodating to Franklin. The two men eventually became lifelong friends. Franklin strongly believed that asking someone for a favor made people like him more. But is this really true? Can asking someone for something actually make a person like us more? In 1969, almost two centuries after Franklin, 
two psychologists, John Jecker and David Landy, set out to test this theory. They separated participants into three groups. A secretary told one group of the participants that the psychology department had paid for the study and that the funds were almost gone and asked if they could please return the money. The experimenter told the second group of participants that he had personally paid for the study and that funds were running low, then asked if he could have the money back. The third group was given their money to keep. The study found that volunteers who were approached by the experimenter himself to return the money preferred the experimenter the most. Those who were allowed to keep the money liked the experimenter the least. This shows that Franklin's theory holds some truth. People like you more when you personally ask them for a favor. Psychologist Yu Nia of Husi University in Tokyo conducted a similar study in the U.S. and Japan. The study found that participants liked other participants better when they asked for help. Yet, they didn't like a participant more when asked by the experimenter to help that participant. In other words, when a middleman was asking for the favor on behalf of someone else, most people enjoy being charitable and prefer that the person needing the favor ask them directly rather than asking someone else on his or her behalf. While we are all about being charitable this month, part of giving is actually asking. By asking for help, you're allowing that person to give some of herself to be charitable, to experience all the positive feelings that come along with it. Also, when someone else proactively asks to help you, don't deny them the opportunity of doing you the favor. It actually makes them feel better about themselves and they accomplish something for you. So it's a win-win. This is often difficult for many of us to embrace. We're often stubborn and simply say, I got it, or we don't accept the helping hand. We don't want to burden others. Flip your mindset and understand that when you allow someone to do you a favor, you're helping make that person feel good too. So do yourself a favor this month. Allow someone to help you. Ask for a favor and give the concept of no seven a try. I just want to take a moment to personally thank everyone, all you listeners that have helped me make the book, The Focus Project, a number one release on Amazon. I know I sent some of you a note that said favor. That was the subject line. And I asked you for help because I can't do this alone. To get a book out there, it takes a village. And I really appreciate you being a part of the team to make this happen. So thank you so much. And I hope that you're able to channel your inner Ben Franklin, your Benjamin Franklin. It's all about the Benjamins. You probably wonder where that comes from. It's because Benjamin Franklin's on the $100 bill. So that's why they always say it's all about the Benjamins. But definitely ask someone for a favor. Try that out. And then also conversely, do the exact opposite. Why don't you send someone something from Amazon Prime? They're sponsoring us today. Why don't you go out there? Maybe it's something funny. But most importantly, hopefully you got value out of today's Super You podcast and the segment. That's why we're giving away for free. We want to help people. So hopefully you're enjoying these free segments. Definitely continue to send those notes in there. The wind beneath my wings. Sometimes as an author, you go, am I even helping anybody? And so when you guys send in those notes, you have no idea what that does for me as a writer. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening here to today's Super You podcast, reminding you again to attack the day before it attacks you. Also remember life's all about having fun and helping people. And remember that it's not what we take from the world. It is what we leave behind. Seven. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 super you.